It's the Morgan Evans More or Less Pickleball podcast coming at you in three, two, one, boom. My guest today has positioned himself in a pivotal role in the growth of the professional game of pickleball. Conor Pardot fell in love with the game like we all do, but unlike the rest of us, he set out to create the largest prize money circuit professional pickleball has ever seen. Despite the unforeseeable pandemic throwing a spanner in the works, the show goes on around the country. Please welcome PPA Commissioner Conor Pardot. How are you, mate? Doing really good. How are you? Excellent, excellent. So good to have you. It's exciting. I appreciate you having me on. That's great. I love the podcast, love everything that you do for Pickleball. So I just appreciate being here. Oh, it's a pleasure, mate. Yeah, no, I mean, I firstly, right off the bat, I got to say cheers on behalf of uh, all the professional players around the globe, you know, between the PPA and the APP, there's a void that needed to be filled and you guys have done it. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a crazy year to say the least with everything with COVID and everything, but we're trying our very best. <laughs> yeah, no, and everybody uh, appreciates it. It must be a tumultuous time to say the least. But backing it up, you know, more than uh, I would imagine more than a year now, getting into the game of professional pickleball, you know, when I say the game, I mean running professional events, creating a circuit. How did it happen? I mean, you were a pickleball player, I would assume. Yeah. So I started playing pickleball probably around four years ago now. And the way that it really happened is my dad and I, we actually were partners. So we'd play a lot together. We'd play a lot of four or five tournaments. You know, when we started falling in love with the game, we're from Salt Lake City. So obviously we went up to TOC. That's the first time we ever saw professional pickleball. And I think it really just blew our minds. And, you know, we got big eyes and we thought, holy cow, this is really amazing. You know, with work, we also have the luxury to travel quite a bit with, you know, work outside of pickleball. Mm. So we use work as kind of an excuse for pickleball. So we went around and we played tournaments like the Atlanta Open, the Texas Open. We went down to Indian Wells um, and we were able to work while we also went to be able to play these amazing tournaments. Awesome. What really happened is we saw pickleball and, you know, we looked at tennis. We're big tennis people, have big tennis backgrounds. And we thought, wow, you know, there's a great opportunity here. You know, we think that pickleball has so much opportunity, so much upside, and we put together the PPA. That's amazing. So you say work prior to building the PPA, what, uh, what kept you out of trouble? So our family, we own a commercial real estate firm. So we do everything from office buildings to hotels to housing to, I actually oversaw the senior living portfolio. So assisted living, skilled nursing, 55 and older apartments, that kind of stuff. Nice. All right. So anywhere you travel, it's a write-off. That's awesome. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell anyone, don't you worry. <laughs> All right. So you, you recently uh, ran, I guess, the, the first major PPA tournament since the onset of COVID at uh, the tennis club at Newport Beach. From your point of view, how did it go? Yeah, it went fantastic. I mean, obviously, COVID had put a big wrench into things. To my knowledge, it's the only tournament up to date where we actually had a tournament like that, where it was a pro only tournament that still had a, you know, a payout, you know, a $50,000 plus. So it was a unique thing, first of its kind, but it went really well. I mean, we loved the tennis club at Newport Beach. Those guys were fantastic down there for letting us come in and put on a tournament, you know, the way we did. 
but I mean, I think it went well. The pros liked it. There were some phenomenal matchups. And mm. I mean, you were down there. What did you think, Morgan? Yeah, honestly, I would have loved almost anything really just getting back out there. But it was, you know, I felt like it was very professional. It was well put together. I think everybody did their part in terms of keeping with the, you know, the basic sort of restrictions that we all know we have to adhere to. So it was certainly a win for uh, for pickleball, professional pickleball, everybody. Yeah, no, I think it was fantastic. I mean, it was great to just have that level of competition. I think all of the professional players, probably including yourself, I mean, competition is something that everyone thrives on. You know, they love to compete. That's why they do what they do. And it was really good to be able to get that competitive fix again. Yeah, I was uh, curious to see which of the players would be able to respond well to really not having the same kind of crowd that they're used to and which players, you know, really kind of thrive off that and without it find it a little bit tricky. So, you know, I certainly won't throw any names out there, but uh, it was good to kind of people watching, apart from anything else, people behind mask watching. <laughs> no, yeah, no, definitely. I agree with you. It was interesting. It was a little bit different of a feel definitely compared to Mesa, our first tournament. I mean, going from, you know, having almost a thousand people watching you to we're talking a hundred people tops there on championship court. Yeah. It's definitely a, a different scenario for sure. Yeah. I suppose it probably suits the kind of players that remember what it was like, you know, TOC four or five years ago, you were certainly lucky to have a hundred people watching. So it's not a far cry from that. So I guess uh, if you can remember those days and you kind of forget the, the years in between, then yeah, business as usual. Yeah, definitely. I thought another unique thing was, you know, seeing the pro players coming back. I mean, there was a lot of people that had, you know, some body transformations where there's a few people I thought it was going to go the other way where people might have porked up a little bit, you know, with all the time off. But <laughs> wow, there was a few people that, you know, looked great. I mean, it looked like Matt Wright lost a lot of weight. Yeah. Simone looked like she was in better shape. Mm. It almost seemed like it went the other way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you're stuck with a whole lot of time on your hands and you're not um, forced to, you know, head to an office to go to do nine to five. I think probably in the short term, everybody possibly gets into some comfort eating. But after a couple of weeks, you know, if you're a professional and you consider yourself an athlete, uh, you, you now look at with all this time on my hands, how am I going to use it the wisest? Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, the, the players that felt like their conditioning wasn't as good before have, have now ample opportunity to tighten it up. And yeah, it, it might be one of those pivotal moments in professional pickleball that spurs on, uh, you know, the physical kind of transformations that take, mm -hmm. you know, what the game was, you know, maybe just two or three years ago to another level. No, I agree with you 100%. Now, given that uh, obviously the tennis club at Newport Beach was a, is a privately owned venue, is it something, is that something that the PPA will necessarily be kind of seeking to help circumvent the uh, restrictions placed on us all by COVID? Yeah, I mean, Morgan, I think that's something that has been a plan for us from the get-go. You know, the PPA vision, it's going to bigger, better, newer, private, you know, more luxury upscale clubs. That's something that we're trying to do. We really pride ourselves in our venues and, you know, our choice of where we're going to be taking our tournaments. And yeah, I mean, the rest of our schedule through the rest of the year, they're all at privately owned clubs. And that's something that we want to continue into next year as well. Great. So there's, you know, your average professional player can therefore have a sense of security that the tournaments coming up aren't, aren't possibly going to be cancelled. Correct. Yep. We're trying to get away from the city parks and 
really elevate the experience and the overall venue. I think the private clubs definitely do that. Beautiful. I mean, obviously this is a never say never kind of thing and I wouldn't want to hold you to any promises, but uh, it seems like a good method to ensure the continuation of uh, PPA events. Yeah, definitely. I mean, COVID, we never know what's going to happen tomorrow with what's been going on. We're confident that the rest of the tournaments for the rest of the year are going to happen. So as of our plan right now, all of them are planned to happen. And unless there's any drastic change, that's where we're at with the PPA Tour. Brilliant. Exciting times. It is. It's fun. We're just excited to get back out there. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to take a quick break there from the commissioner. I've always wanted to have a friend I can call the commissioner. I feel like Batman. Anyway, just a quick break for a word from our sponsor, Coach Me Pickleball. Practice makes perfect, right? My name is Morgan Evans, and I have to tell you that practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes progress. That's why we've created Coach Me Pickleball. At Coach Me Pickleball, you'll find an extensive and growing library of lessons on topics covering every aspect of pickleball for every level of player. For one small monthly fee, you'll get access to every video in our library with new content added every month. Check out coachmepickleball.com to sign up for a free seven-day membership. All right, let's head back over to Commissioner Pardo. So with the speed of the professional pickleball growth, do you think the time is coming to accurately define what a professional player is or do you already have a working definition? Yeah, no, definitely. And I think as the professional sport continues to grow, a definition is something that's going to be very important. That's why in place, we actually have our PPA tour rankings. We believe that this is something that we're putting into place now. It's going to be more valuable two, three, four years down the road. But at some point, these tournament registrations have to be capped. And that's where our ranking system is going to come into place. Okay. So if you're ranked within the top 32 teams, you're going to be able to play. Other than that, you know, you're going to have to be working on your ranking. So mm. I think the days of just a 5-0 being a pro pickleball player, I think those are very, very short. I think they're very limited for sure, the way the sport's growing. Excellent. And how many points do you get for hosting a podcast and having the commissioner on? 100 points, 200 points, do you think? Whatever you need. Maybe we'll do 500. That's what we give to the gold medal winners. So Brilliant. Okay. Well, you heard it here, folks. Uh, I immediately get something better than the 47th seed, hopefully. <laughs> Good man. I appreciate that. Now tell me, and this might be a tricky question to answer, but do you think professional pickleball and amateur pickleball will kind of always need each other? And when I say that, it's sort of a symbiotic relationship. The amateur divisions make up a huge number of the crowd and their entrance fees typically help to pay the prize money for the pros. But on the other hand, the pros attempt at least to supply entertainment and as a draw card and people want to see and, and get to mingle with. You know, we don't really see that kind of symbiotic relationship in the majority of professional sports. Can the two successfully be separated or, or should they? Yeah. And that's a great question. And I think it's a question that all of us in pickleball have been asking ourselves because really it's the, that's, I think it makes the sport so unique because we don't see that really anywhere. Are we opposed to having professional pickleball, you know, not incorporated with amateur pickleball and have them separate things? No, yeah, we're not opposed to doing that. You know, if the time comes where that makes the most sense to do something like that, by all means, we would be behind it and we would support it where we're at right now. I think that having amateur pickleball and professional pickleball, they go hand in hand. 
Mm. Like you said, for us, it's not so much the entry fee. I mean, we were able to hold that tournament in Newport and we were fine just off sponsorships and, you know, capital that we've been able to raise. For us, it's about the overall environment. If you can look at the uh, Mesa tournament compared to that last tournament we just barely had in Newport, you know, crowd size, the overall interaction with everybody and the overall experience, I think that thrives on, you know, having amateurs out. I mean, that's why we have our slogan. It's play where the pros play. We want you to be able to come play where the pros play, enjoy your own level of play, and then be able to stick around, get a beer, get some food, and watch the best people in the world play. That's what makes pickleball so special right now, and that's what we're really going after, Morgan. Yeah, oh, look, that's a that's a great mantra to go after, and you know, it's a shame that it's uh, it's a tough thing to do right now with COVID restrictions. But yeah, you're you're exactly right. The unique part of the game is how it is a kind of a all for one, one for all, you know, real family social atmosphere at these tournaments, and it would be a shame to lose it. I wonder, though, if it is a necessary evil to a certain extent for the game to, you know, break through into real mainstream media, whereby the big networks are choosing to, you know, to play pickleball and are actively seeking you out, trying to to get coverage, because the game has, you know, risen to such a level that they recognise that your average person with a television really would like to um, check out Ben Johns versus Tyson McGuffin in the final. Yeah. And they are, I mean, really these television stations were in conversation with a few of them right now already for next year. And that's exactly right. I mean, what's making pickleball a little tricky right now is it's really hard to, you know, have nine hours of live action on Fox sports or ESPN Mm. all day long. There's not really any sport where that, you know, necessarily happens. So it's how do we get creative where we can have things where we have a four hour block where we know, Hey, we're going to have championship match. Maybe it's a championship Sunday where we know all the championship matches are going to be played on Sunday. We have a six-hour block on ESPN or Fox Sports or whatever it may be. I mean, that's something that we're really working on at the PPA. We're trying to be innovative. We're going to try new things. And, you know, we're willing to work with these different entities that really want to bring pickleball to the main stage, to the limelight. Yeah. And there's interest out there, Morgan. Let me tell you, we have a lot of conversations going on right now. And I think we'll have some very pleasant surprises for pickleball fans next year. Awesome. Well, keep me in mind as a commentator, you know, I'm, I'm always around. Uh, I know. I love the voice. I actually, I lived in Melbourne for uh, two years. I'm a LDS, so I actually served a Mormon mission down there. Oh, wow. So I love hearing uh, the accent. It just seemed like I'm, uh, you know, back when I was 18 years old down there. <laughs> <laughs> Good man. So backing up to what you were saying about how to kind of make the game you know, more exciting for the the audience out there. As you're talking about it, I'm thinking in my head, what would I want to click on and see? And I would very much sign on to to watch something like if there was a two hour block and the first you know first half of it was essentially kind of a narrated storyline of how the two finalists got to where they are and pick literally with as many cameras as you can get. You pick the the best points of each uh, each match that they you know both teams played that got them to the final and then show the final because then you got the best of their lead up and i you know likely the best pickleball of the day played during the final i love that idea almost telling a story up to the championship match sounds great to me let's yeah. let's do it man let's bring you on let's have you tell the story all right <laughs> okay this is this whole podcast thing was really just to pitch that idea and then let's <laughs> let's make magic <laughs> Ooh, i love that idea that's great yeah we we can nut it out that'd be great Okay, we're going to take a little break there from Commissioner Pardo for a medium tip 
from our sponsor, Coach Me Pickleball. And we do a lot of quick tips, but this one's a little longer. So I guess it's a, a medium tip. And today I want to talk about the other side of the net. And this is based on an article uh, I wrote a while ago for Selkirk. Uh, you can find it on the Selkirk website or the coachmepickleball.com site. So this advice is aimed at competitive players that uh, have a fair amount of tools to implement varied game plans. And if that's not you just yet, then keep listening, but uh, do focus on building up your repertoire of shots until you have all the kind of tools for the jobs you need. I found that sometimes pickleball strategy can feel like you're a blind man in a dark closet looking for a black cat that doesn't exist, which is to say tricky. I like to simplify things as best as possible by implementing a basic two-pronged approach. A, play to your own strengths, and B, play to your opponent's weaknesses. That sounds simple enough, right? Unfortunately, at the higher levels, you can't always do both. You might be able to sway the kind of game you want to play by stacking so that at least you or your partner are on the preferred side, and you might be able to keep the ball going to the weakest player as well as possible. But if that's not enough, what if you have to choose between A and B? Well, in my opinion, choose B, playing to their weakness. Be as specific as possible and give them their most uncomfortable type of game. If they like it slow, play hard. If they like to bang, block their third balls and dink softly. If they only want to play to your partner, keep your partner moving. That means don't let your partner be in the same side of the court for long. Make them a moving target. If your opponents are short, learn to love the lob. It's not criminal. If they're tall, don't test their reach by attacking wide of them. What appears to be a gap may indeed be well within their reach. Attack their bodies where their reach is useless. If you don't like dinking heads up, that means to the person directly in front of you, but the cross-court player is Ben Johns, then heads up it is. If you have the hand speed advantage, but not the courage to pull the trigger on balls bouncing in the kitchen, bad luck, just do it. The strategy comes first. Your comfort is a distant second. If they have the hand speed advantage, but all you have ever wanted to do is bang, then today is the day your dink game reaches a new level. Resist the urge. Don't be the stubborn bull that doesn't know when to stop charging. Look at the person in front of you. Are they half your age? If they are, chances are there's no sense in instigating a heads-up attack. Now, these are just a couple of examples of how to play the other side of the court. However, doing so effectively can rely on you relinquishing your own playing strengths. Playing outside yourself may not work the first time or the second. Don't give up. Ask yourself the simple question. Is it the strategy at fault? Or is it the execution of the strategy that's costing you? If it's just the execution that's costing you, then make the necessary changes to get the shots in and see how well the points play out then. Do it a number of times until you've gained the insight as to whether playing to challenge them was worth the sacrifices of playing outside your comfort zone. As they say, the comfort zone is a beautiful place, but nothing grows there. The general strategy of primarily playing to your opponent's weaknesses even to the possible detriment of playing to your own strengths, may not, however, be the best short-term strategy. When the chips are down and you're fighting for your life just to try and force game three, that's the time to stick to your bread and butter. The muscle memory deeply embedded in your most comfortable zone 
will be far more reliable than whatever strategy you choose to beat your opponents. This point also applies to situations where your partner is getting picked on dramatically and dink rallies are inevitable. If this is the case, then at the very least, keeping your partner on their preferred side is going to be paramount. After all, if you're not going to be receiving many balls anyway, it's best to keep your team's weakest link on their strongest side. Your long-term development as a pickleball player will be improved if you embrace these basic strategies. If you're constantly adapting your playstyle to suit the situation, then you are inevitably going to be forced into developing a wide variety of shots. If your team is the team that can change tactics when needed, then it will be your versatility that can be the difference between winning and losing. In my opinion, winning a match because of superior strategy is far more rewarding than just scraping by on skill and athleticism alone. You must adapt to survive, people. Okay, let's head back over to Commissioner Pardo, see what else he's got to say about the professional pickleball game. So what's next for the PPA? What's the next tournament? How do people uh, find you and sign up if need be? So the next tournament is going to be in Georgia. And if you guys haven't seen that venue, it's absolutely stunning. They actually just barely held a team tennis event out there that was on the tennis channel a couple of weeks ago, but it's at the Lifetime Fitness Peachtree Corners. Oh yeah. I, I've been to that one. Oh, it's lovely. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, it is. It's beautiful. So we're actually going in, we're going to be resurfacing three tennis courts to pickleball courts. So that championship court there is going to be one beautiful championship pickleball court right in the middle. And then we're going to take two other tennis courts and we're going to build another eight pickleball courts. So we'll have nine permanent courts for that tournament. It's going to be really great. It's a beautiful setting, beautiful place. Registration's closing pretty soon. We're just north of 535 players. So if you're wanting to come out and play, I think the registration closes in 10 days now. Yeah, make sure it's on your calendar. Check it out. You can just go to pickleballtournaments.com. Click on the PPA logo that's on that main page, and then you can click on the Georgia Open logo, and that'll take you right to the tournament. We'd love to have you guys out there. Fantastic. Well, you heard it here, folks. Get on there, (laughs) sign up, come out, and shake Connor's hand. Commissioner Connor Pardo, thank you kindly for your time, sir. We appreciate everything you're doing. Hey, yeah, thank you. Thanks for everything you do for the sport. We really, really appreciate it. We need more people like you out there. <laughs> oh, you're a good man. Hopefully that that, uh, that remark will not get left on the editing cut room floor. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, man. Hey, thank you so much. Uh, pleasure, mate. We'll talk to you soon. Take care of yourself. Stay safe. Yeah, you too. Later. Cheers, mate. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode as much as I have. You can find out more about this episode at pickleball.fm and you can follow me on Facebook at More or Less Pickleball. The links and info about our guests are in the description and on the website. So please check them out, guys. This podcast was powered by Selkirk. This podcast is also brought to you by the next generation of Selkirk Paddle, the Vanguard. That's it for now. I'm Morgan Evans, and this has been More or Less Pickleball. Not really have handcuffs on, you oh, know? Yeah. yeah, you guys certainly don't need to worry about that. I mean, it's <laughs> it's one of those things. It's the golden rule. The, he who has the gold makes the rules.